Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time at WGN. Yeah, we started here in the 90s. I produced Bob Collins and Roy Leonard. And I produced Spike and Cochran. So we spent our 20s as wing women for each other. And it didn't work out very well. But then it did. And we found the right guys and we stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other. And we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to talk about topics that intrigue us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average. We're not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we already have. So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they stop and look. Before we start with our topic, I wanted to give a little peek behind the curtain. Um, you mentioned as we were getting ready, something happened last night, and, and we should sort of set the scene that both of us have been stay-at-home moms, roughly. You know, I, I did some work, and but I've been home writing a book, and you've been home, and last night something happened. So tell your story. Last night I was telling my son, who's 10, that um, I was going to go work with Auntie Anne in the morning to work on a podcast. And I said, I, I was I got a job and I was going to do some work. And his face literally went soft. Like, I don't think he was going to be upset, but you could tell he was like internalizing what that actually meant. And he was worried that I was going back and I was not going to be around. And so when I told him later that I was um, just going to be gone for a couple hours and I'd still be there to take him to school or pick him up after school, um, I said that I was nervous, excited to um, be doing this with Auntie Anne. And he said, Mom, don't worry about it because you when I think about things at school and I get worried about something, if I have a partner, then I feel better because I know I have somebody to lean on. And he's like, you have Auntie Anne to, to lean on. So I thought that was really cool coming from a 10-year-old that he was thinking about it like that because he's known you since he was born. So it was a sweet little thing. And isn't it funny how they can teach us? Yeah. You know, it just, it, it cracks me up. They're, they're such little humans, but they're so smart. Yep. It and was pretty cute. My other side to that was that my oldest, my 11-year-old, recently asked me when I'm going to go back to work because she thinks that it's important that I have an identity. And I said, well, Aunt Tracy and I are going to do this podcast. And she said, will you be making money? And I said, no. And she said, then it's not work. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so welcome to Apparently. Let's get things started. Okay. So apparently, parenting today is much harder than it used to be. Uh, Shauna Donhauser is an infant and early childhood mental health specialist in Seattle. Her practice is called Happy Nest, and she focuses on the challenges of modern parenting. So Shauna, how is it harder today than it used to be? There are a lot of reasons that parenting today is a lot harder than it used to be. Um, one of the biggest ways is that a lot of new parents have much higher expectations for themselves and for their families about how they should function, uh, what level of success they should achieve. Uh, we're also a lot less resourced. Um, so by resource, I, I don't necessarily mean just financial resources. I really mean um, social resources and community. Um, we have a lot of community through social media and through the Internet um, and a lot less community face-to-face. -face. Um, and when it comes to parenting, the face-to-face -face really does matter. 
Um, the social connections that you make with parents through the internet, really wonderful. Um, there can be a lot of opportunities there, but nothing really beats that face-to-face um, engagement with other parents and then also just a general community of people who can help you uh, support the child and kind of be there for you in emotional ways, but also physical ways. Now, I, I notice in social media particularly that there is a lot of connectivity, but everyone's putting their best face forward, right? So Amen. everyone on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram is having the perfect parenting experience. And meanwhile, I'm a hot mess. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's why a lot of um, new parents are drawn to celebrities like Pink, who um, who kind of let let their hair down, so to speak, on social media and different Instagram posts. Um, but they also get a lot of heat, right? So even if you do try and show like the less beautiful side of parenting, um, there are plenty of parents online who are ready to step in and um, and say something that maybe isn't very kind. And there could be a lot of reasons for that. I find that with social media, one time I read something that says I should do something this way with my kids, and then the next minute I'm reading something else that says the exact opposite of that. Like, you can find uh, something to support an argument or against an argument anywhere on the Internet, and so then you end up being just confused, like, what? how should I handle this situation with my son or daughter? Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's certainly another part of why parenting today is a lot harder. Um, parents genuinely look for answers, right? When you're, when you're stuck on some problem, um, trying to find some solution for your family, you want to be able to reach out into the great wide web and find an answer. And it's really hard because ultimately, uh, what works for your family may not work for another family. And so it, it, you know, while you're looking for a solution, you're bombarded with all this contradicting information and you're left kind of wondering, okay, what do I actually do? Yeah, it's like when I go to my doctor and the doctor says, please tell me you don't Google this, right? You know, because (laughs) don't go on WebMD. Yeah, no WebMD for you. Um, Because there is so much conflicting information. And then how do you even process it? Absolutely. It can be really hard, right? And, you know, we also carry our our own histories of being parented, right? And so we have our own inherited family values as well as um, you know, the different things that resonate with us, right? So some parents really start to, um, like, they'll really attach to a certain style of parenting or maybe a certain, um, like, expert out there who speaks about parenting because it resonates with their own values. Um, and so that can be kind of one way to start to filter out through through all the information that comes through the Internet. Um, and at the same time, like, I'm, I'm really aware and I really try and encourage parents to remain flexible because, you know, you might follow... Um, you know, somebody's advice and it works for a while, but then your child hits a different developmental stage and all of a sudden the strategies that you were using aren't working anymore. Um, I think that the one of the struggles for a lot of parents is being flexible enough to match their child's developmental stage and remembering that like things, you know, what worked yesterday may not work today, but it could work tomorrow. You, you just brought something up that I know that you're passionate about, and uh, you talked about ghosts in the nursery and so how we're influenced by our, our experiences as children and what our parents did. Uh, so explain that whole concept, because when Tracy and I talked about it, we're like, what the heck is what? ghost? <laughs> what does that mean? So t- tell us what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of a spooky topic, right? I mean, I think that the ghost uh, theme is um, like... I, I really resonate with the idea. And I'm not like a person who likes Halloween, but I love ghosts. So the Ghost of the Nursery is a um, is a seminal article that was written by Selma Freiberg. And um, she writes about this idea that when we become new parents, we kind of inherit 
these ghosts, right? These these um, experiences from when we were very young and our parents were very young, um, kind of this generational um, ghost that has followed through your family line and kind of shows up in different ways. I've been thinking a lot about my own ghosts, um, and I think that that's kind of where where I land because I don't I don't like to talk necessarily about my patients and the ghosts that they experience, so sure. I can share a little bit of my own. Um, I'm, maybe we can dive into that in a second, but I just want to make sure that the theory is really clear. Like it's it's basically just the idea that um, that we we carry our histories, right? And the, it, that history can come up in kind of unexpected ways, particularly when children are very little, because we are hardwired to respond to baby's cries for the sake of the survival of the baby, and also um, because it evokes a lot of um, emotion in us, right? Um, And that can range from panic, right, or certain anxiety, fear, and then it can also range to, like, anger, frustration. I'll jump in here. I know right after my first child was born, I was hospitalized for a while, and I was watching the TV kind of nonstop in the hospital, and they kept playing videos about what to do when your baby's crying and won't stop. And these videos would say, like, go to the other room, do 10 push-ups, count, you know, because I understand why people shake babies. I mean, that sounds terrible, but when the baby won't stop crying, you can panic and be like, what is wrong with you? And I understand why, why it happens. Yeah, I do too, right? I mean, I think that it's a really sad things to think about, right? Because babies are so fragile. Right. Um, and yet their cry evokes so much in us. So are ghosts in the nursery just for when they're, you know, little babies or toddlers? Or can can those ghosts haunt me now when I have a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old? Because hearing this makes me think about um, my son and daughter and certain traits that they have where, you know, I say, oh, you're acting just like your dad or st- stuff like mm-hmm. that or... I, I comes back to haunt me that wow I I was like that or I've taught her to be that way is that is that kind of the concept behind it? Absolutely. So yes, the ghosts kind of appear um, in the nursery, but they follow us throughout our lives, and our children inherit our ghosts in different ways too. Okay. Um, so that's a perfect example, right? Another example that I hear some, sometimes anecdotally is um, when parents say to me like, "Oh my gosh, I sounded just like my mother," like, and we all don't want that. Remember. <laughs> you talked about your ghost. So tell tell us that because you you've written something and, and I know you're still working on it. But tell us what the ghost is in your nursery. It's really spooky. Um, so I I've always kind of known this story from my family. Um, both my parents were previously married. Um, my dad separated from his first partner, um, and my mom's first partner actually drowned. It was a couple years into their marriage, and uh, and he died kind of unexpectedly. And you know, she doesn't talk about him. She is still in contact with his family. And I, I know his family a little bit. She's from Brazil. And so, um, you know, I've met them whenever I travel there, which is not very often. And I, it feels a little bit like that part of her life is kind of back there. It was buried a long time ago. But when I got married, um, I started having these, like, kind of intrusive, scary thoughts about my own husband dying. And it felt really out of the blue. Like at the time I didn't connect it to my mom's history. Like at the time it just felt like, you know, I'd be driving in the car and I'd hear something on the radio about the story about a woman whose husband died. And I would just be, I'd have to pull over because I was just so overwhelmed with emotion. Um, And then it felt like it was popping out like all over the place. Like I'd hear it on the radio one day. And then two days later I'd be like watching a movie and then something happens to the, to the husband. 
Um, or then like, I'd hear like a story about like a friend whose friend had someone had a spouse who died. Like it was just really eerie to me. Um, and so I had to sit down with it and I was like, why is this like coming up for me right now? It was like almost a year after I'd gotten married to the day. And what ended up coming up for me when I started meditating about it and kind of journaling was this history about my mom. Um, and, and so I talked to her about it a little bit. You know, she, she, she doesn't talk about it a lot. I think it's still like a really painful experience for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seemed to me that like it was something that she really carried. She still carries with her. Right. And so I started to imagine a little bit about what it was like for her. I'm her firstborn child. Um, like what it was like for her to have me and to think, to be thinking um, about him. Right. And, and like the life that, that never happened. Right. right. And it totally subconscious never really showed up um, in our relationship, my mom and I, other than like when we were kids, she was really vigilant about us swimming um, sure. because he died drowning. Um, and that's kind of all I knew about it was, oh, okay, like my mom is afraid of water, um, you know, because something bad happened. And then later was able to kind of connect the dots. But that's kind of a ghost now that like whenever I start to worry about my husband passing, like, I don't feel so overwhelmed because I, I know where that fear comes from and I know it's not really mine, right? It's something that I've inherited. So when we talk about sort of inheriting from our parents, um, you know, Tracy and I were talking off the air about being our mothers or being our fathers. And when my daughter mm-hmm. does something that reminds me of me in a bad way, um, I come down on her really hard and it's not, I mean, I'll be like, you know, you're not the center of the world and, and you know, or you're not a princess. And and that's exactly what my mom used to say to me. So apparently I was equally, mm. equally bad. Um, but how do we stop ourselves or are we supposed to stop ourselves when we start sort of letting the ghosts in? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's actually kind of interesting. You know, um, I, I love this idea about like, you know, your daughter being kind of like you. Mm-hmm. right? And that's the ghost. Right. That's coming up. Um, And the ghost is really like um, your own mother's experience of having a child who um, liked to be in the center of spotlight. Right. And what that was like. Right. And trying to stop that. Right. To be like, stop doing that. And you kind of have to think a little bit. I mean, to to look at the ghost and really understand it, you kind of have to look at it and say, okay, how have you served my family? And are you continuing to serve me? Right. Like, what was your purpose? Like, why do, like, why my, do my I mom, react the way I do? Like, what is wrong with her being exactly. the center of the world, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Like, my mom's fear of losing a spouse, like, that makes a lot of sense because she actually lost somebody, right? The fear is there because it happened, mm-hmm. right? It was a trauma. Um, and so when, I, when it comes up for me, I can say, oh, okay, there's, you're here because there's history here, and you're trying to warn me that this is possible, but... I don't, you know, but I don't really need you to be here. I don't need to be so afraid. That was then. It's not now. And, you know, when you think about, um, you know, your, your values as a parent, like what is it like for you to have a child who, um, who does like to be the center of attention and likes to be in the spotlight, right? Is that something that, is that like a value or a trait that you, um, that you like and that, you, that you'd like to continue? Or is it something that you feel like doesn't serve your family or doesn't serve your child? Well, and I think partly I, I worry that she's not going to be liked or tolerated if she doesn't show some empathy or outward um, thought, right? You know, I, I want her to be a, mm. a, a good citizen. Absolutely. 
that ghost is um, that ghost is telling you something really important, right? It's saying um, like it's okay to be the center as long as you're also compassionate. In my experience, uh, one thing that I notice with my 12-year-old daughter is uh, she gets really anxious about being late, which is something, I'll be honest, I hate being late, and I've probably, that's <laughs> something that's coming back to haunt me, so to speak, mm-hmm. and it's not something that's harmful, it's not impairing our family necessarily, but it's something that uh, maybe I'm not, I, I wish that I could correct or change because in the grand scheme of things being late to something isn't the end of the world it's not hurting anybody um, but it's just something that I see that is causing her you know anxiety and um, Mm -hmm. and it impacts the our family experience sometimes when it she gets amped up like we're gonna miss this flight or this or you know and I'm already worrying about it secretly and not telling her Mm -hmm. that I'm worried about making the flight but I see her carrying the same characters you know characteristics as I as I have yeah yeah that's that's the ghost that is living in your family and she's pointing it out right she's like she's saying yes she is look at here like we're nervous about this like we're all nervous about being late and I'm going to be the one who's going to panic because I see it and it seems like nobody else does well except that in Tracy's case her husband is never worried about being late (laughs) exactly (laughs) he's the yin to my yang yeah he'll just get on a flight and you know he's a business traveler so he the airport to him is no big thing and for me with two kids I just I travel a little differently than he does Sometimes it's painful because it, it, it actually um, makes the travel experience even worse because I'm trying to calm her down and still meet the objective of making the flight. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I, I think at that point, it's really about trying to understand, you know, that little ghosty, right? This like fear of being late, right? Like what is it, what has being late meant for you growing up? And like, what was that experience like for you? Um, and then, you know, one of the great things about being a grown up <laughs> is that you have all these faculties, right, in your brain, and you have all these resources, you've like, learned a lot about the world, right? So, um, you know, when you were, uh, you know, 10 or 11 or 12, your daughter's age, like, if she, back then, you know, you were kind of at the, the will of your own parents or the other adults around you, right, to get to places on time and to, um, you know, to, to not be late. Um, and now, you, you get to be the one to kind of who kind of models what that looks like, right? And helps your daughter get the resources that you now have, right? Even right. things like, okay, like we need to get to the airport by this time, which means we got to leave the house by X time, which means we should set an alarm to go off. And then, you know, when we hear the alarm, that means we got five minutes to get out the door, right? And or whatever it is. Is that something Tracy should be sort of vocalizing, saying, okay, Kate, you know, to get on, to get, to be on time, we'll leave an hour. So we're not going to be late. There's no way we can be late, even if, even if there's traffic. So should she be talking her daughter through it, or does that help? Absolutely. I mean, I love talking through different strategies with kids, even with really small children. So, and I work typically with like really young children, like children zero to around seven years old. Um, and I think talking through or narrating, sports casting, kind of your experiences, as long as they're you know developmentally appropriate, right? When you're talking about like being late, that's totally fine to kind of explain to a child. You're telling, you're letting them into like the things that you do that kind of help you stay calm and in a way you're kind of teaching them right to say okay like you're worried about being late I'm worried about being late too because I don't like to be I don't like to be late it stresses me out like I get really nervous um and then I feel like I move really fast I might get hurt like let's leave we're going to leave an hour early which means there's no way that we could be late um and 
that'll help us all stay calm. And we can plan for that because that's how we manage being stressed out when being late. We plan. Right. That makes sense. And also, I I like the idea of letting them hear how we think because um, too often I think we keep our thoughts to ourselves and it stresses me out when I, you know, as I as things amp up, I try to keep it, you know, bottled in. But I think maybe explaining to them why you're mad at someone who tried to cut you off in traffic, or explaining, you know, why you're disappointed that um, there's no parking, you know, whatever it is, um, that they mm-hmm. can understand the way we think, so that maybe they can accept us more, and they can learn, right? Because one of our jobs as parents is to be kind of a teacher right? It's not to be the teacher, right? But we do teach them a lot of things about life, including, um, you know, our emotional states and why we feel different things, right? And if we don't let them into that world, then they're never going to learn, right? Getting cut off in traffic is a perfect example, right? Most parents in that situation, because we're human, they're just in a huff, right? And they, like, maybe they're even, like, mad or frustrated, right? Um, A small child doesn't understand why, right? Because they can't drive. They can barely see what you're seeing, Right. Um, And so just explaining like, wow, what that person did was really unsafe. And that makes me really mad. Um, I'm going to give them a lot of room because I don't want to drive near somebody who drives like that. So that's better than just dropping some kind of expletive. (laughs) (laughs) You can still drop the expletive, but just explain it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Note to self. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, Shauna, thank you so much. I know you are, you have to go see some patients right now. So, um, but we appreciate your insight. And um, again, it's Shauna Donhauser and she's uh, out of uh, Seattle and her practice is called Happy Nest. You can find her on the interwebs and, um, we so appreciate it. And, you know, I am now going to explain to my children why I dropped the F-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank right. you so much. Take care. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, that was Shauna Donhauser. Um, so I got to say, Tracy, I was a little bit like, what are the ghosts in the nursery? Yeah, I had no idea what that was. But now I get it. Yeah, and in, in fact, it's really helpful to, to think of talking to my children about what's going through my head because it, there's a lot going on in there. Exactly. And I say haunt that that haunts me, things that they say haunt me, that they do. And now I, I guess that's probably the whole concept. Yeah, and I, when you said haunt, I was like, and you said so to speak or whatever, and I was like, but it is. They, yeah. they do kind of linger yeah, yeah. Yep. So very cool. Now we realize we're two moms, and a lot of dads out there might want some representation. So, whenever possible, we'll offer Daddy's Corner or Father's Vomitation. Uh, that, that name needs some work, but <laughs> but I get the idea. Eventually, we'd like to hear from other fathers in the audience, and but for right now, let's stick with GN people. Yeah. So Steve Cochran is our common denominator. I produced him for like, what was it, five minutes in the 90s? Yeah. Then I met him at your wedding, and we became friends. And eventually, I came back in 2013 to help him launch his morning show. Yeah. And we all know Cochran's a devoted dad, and now he's a grandpa. And so we wanted him to weigh in on the ghost in the nursery. Uh, ghost in the nursery. Mm. I don't think of it so much as ghosts in the nursery, as ghosts between my ears. Somebody asked me the other day, he said, what really annoys you about being a dad? Nothing. Nothing. I love being a dad. Love my kids. People go, well, yeah, but, you know, now you're a grandfather, and how many Elmos can you watch? Let me tell you something. All of them. Every single one. And that Dorothy the goldfish, that, that Dorothy can act. Fussy kids never really bothered me. Fussy eaters. Uh, here's the way I used to play that. My daughter was particularly fussy, and I always thought, well, I'll act like I'm upset. But in the end, it's an advantage because we're both eating pizza. And uh, 
forgetting what your kid looks like because all you see is the top of their head because they're always tilted forward looking at a screen. All right, yeah, that's annoying. That part is actually annoying. No, you know what's annoying? Here's what's annoying. When you see your kids do something that annoys you about you, stuff that you don't like about you that shows up in your kids, disorganization, procrastination, lateness, those are three of my more prominent traits, and none of them serve me well. And as my kids are growing up, I said, don't be like me, at least not like that. Do the good stuff. Don't be disorganized. Don't procrastinate. And don't be late because you got to model good behavior, right? Or you got to own the bad stuff. The coolest thing is when you see your kids say things to other people that you said to them and they don't give you credit because you know they were listening. Because, by the way, uh, my kids beat back disorganization. They don't procrastinate and they actually show up on time. So guess what? I win. Well said, as always. <laughs> I think that guy has a future in radio. Maybe he'll hire us. Hmm. So there you have Daddy's Corner, or Father's Fomentation. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on that name. But until then, this has been, apparently, yeah, come back for the next episode. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they stop and take a look.